We're going to be in Acts 9 this morning. Acts 9, 1 to 19. Continuing our sermon series on mission in the kingdom of God. 1705 in the Bible in your chair. All right, so Acts 9. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and he did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on State Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. This is the word of the Lord. I'm going to pray before I proceed. Lord, I pray now that you would empower me to bring your word. Lord, I pray that you would empower us to hear your word. And Lord, that you would be working 
in our hearts, even now, to be ready to respond obediently to your word. Lord, I pray against any distraction in Jesus' name. And I pray that your word would accomplish the purposes for which you've sent it. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, there's so much here. And um, Pastor Dave and I love to preach and teach. And um, sometimes it's a real juggling act to figure out, Lord, how would you have us to proceed? But this morning, I feel like there's a sermon, a message for us, but there's so much teaching that I would love to give you. So um, I just want to say that this passage is rich. Study it this week. Read it. Pray about it. Ask the Lord to continue to teach you. But one of the things that I, the main idea that I kind of felt like from this is that God makes surprising choices in selecting the instruments of his grace, the vessels that will be his um, image bearers and the conduits of his grace in the world. Surprising. I don't know how you feel about surprises, but um, I believe that the giver of surprises gets really excited when there's something good coming. And um, sometimes if you're the recipient of a surprise, um, it can catch you off guard a little bit if you're not prepared. And so we had a situation that kind of brought this um, more clear in my mind recently in that um, Pastor Dave and I planned a staff retreat, and in part of that was a surprise for the staff. And so um, we were very excited about the surprise, and then one of us being more wise than the other one suggested to me that maybe we should prepare the staff that there's a little bit of a surprise coming and I thought, well, what in the world? You know, that there's a surprise. It's going to be great. And anyway, and then I thought about it, and I thought, I better listen to my partner. And so um, there was really no need to um, say that there was something different going on because we've got very observant staff. And Pastor Dave got in his car, and he put in GPS. And they say, Pastor Dave, don't you know where we're going? And anyway, so that started in. And so we said, well, we've got a little surprise for you. Well, you would think that our um, staff, like, they had a million and a half questions. Like, it took us a good three-quarters of the way to Kalamazoo with them just guessing, like, well, what are we doing? Are we dressed? Do we have the right gear for this? Will we be inside or will we be outside? Um, will we be ziplining? Um, Tony, like, thought that sound like fun? Um, <clears throat> just saying. There were all these different ideas about what we might be doing. But it was good that we at least said, there's a little surprise here, so that they were prepared and not completely taken off guard. Well, I believe the Lord gives us this passage of scripture to say, don't be surprised about how I might want to work and how I might want to use you in my kingdom work. And there was a very serious situation that they were facing um, with persecution of Christians very, very hard. I mean, people were being killed. They were being summoned by the high priest. They were going to face judgment for following the way. In a serious situation where Saul is breathing out murderous threats and heading into a city, all of a sudden, God throws a surprise, a surprise intervention. All of a sudden, there's a theophany. There is an appearance of Jesus himself on that road. What a surprise. The bright light 
the voice. A surprise. There's a radical intervention here. Jesus stops him dead in his tracks. And then there's this surprise, I think it seems like a surprise identification that I believe brings hope and comfort to anyone who faces religious persecution when he says, who are you, Lord? And he says, I'm Jesus, the one that you're persecuting. And Jesus identifies himself with believers to the point that if they're being persecuted, Jesus says, you're doing this unto me. You're doing this to me. And what a comfort that if anybody's facing religious persecution in any part of the world at any time, Jesus knows and takes it directly as if they're persecuting him himself. And then there's this surprising turn of events. And I love the way it was written in this book. It said, what a reversal of events. Paul, who desired to dash the believers to the ground, is lying himself face down on the ground. He who wished to bring prisoners bound from Damascus to Jerusalem is now led as a prisoner of blindness into Damascus. He who came to triumph over the Christian faith now submits to the captain of this faith. And so a great surprise, a great turn of events. I read a story that was published by a missiologist, and it came from a mission newsletter. And it was about a theophany. It was about God revealing himself, Jesus making himself known. And interestingly, it was um, when President Sadat was the president of Egypt, and it was their prime minister of religious affairs, a Muslim man. And this man had a daughter who was 12 years old, and she was suffering with polio. And so he sent her away to London to get medical treatment. Well, while she was in London, two Christian women came and prayed for this young girl. She was immediately healed and jumped out of bed. Well, she called her dad, but before she could even say an explanation, he said, Jesus has healed you. You see, the night before, He had had a dream, and in that dream, the Lord had revealed himself, and he saw Jesus standing beside his daughter's bed with his hand on her, bringing healing to her. And when the daughter called, he said, I know who's healed you. It's Jesus. What a surprise. What a shock that Jesus would continue to reveal himself in such ways, to reveal himself in a dream, And also, what a shock that he would use these two Christian women in London. How would they ever dream that they would bring the gospel or be part of the gospel advancing in Egypt with the prime minister of religious affairs? I imagine they were shocked as anybody if they got to hear that story and how it all came to be. God's surprising call. It was really a surprising choice that God would choose Saul. If it were up to us, would we be choosing the very one who was bringing persecution to become a believer? I mean, maybe that would be something that we would think, oh, that would be a good thing. But would we have perhaps chosen Saul to be the very vessel 
of grace that would be a radical evangelist for Jesus Christ? The Lord knows who he wants to use. And I think sometimes our paradigms aren't necessarily lining up with the Lord. And he's just saying to us, don't be surprised who I might choose. The purpose was he was going to be a chosen instrument. That word instrument means a vessel or a container. That same word is used to be a vessel or a container. Don't you know that the Lord had a purpose in saving Saul? Not just for restored relationship, but he was going to be a carrier, one who would be filled with the Holy Spirit so that he could bring the kingdom and advance the kingdom to proclaim the kingdom to the Gentiles, to kings, no less, and to the very people of Israel. Also, there was a surprise, because I imagine it surprised Ananias when all of a sudden the Lord called up on him. In verse 10, it says, In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Wow. I don't know about you, but on any given day, like if the Lord just called me up, you know, that's just really amazing, isn't it? The Ananias is there. Now think about this. This Saul is coming and he's, he's this well-known Jewish leader who's coming against the way. You might think that the Lord would call up some people that were already identified as apostles, leaders within the way. This is the only time we read of this particular Ananias. This isn't the one who dropped dead. That was a different Ananias. This Ananias, he's just, I'm guessing, minding his own business, going about his walk with the Lord. And all of a sudden, he's the chosen vessel to come and bring grace to Saul. He was a lay leader. And yet we see that he had a relationship with the Lord. When when the Lord intervened with Saul, he said, Who are you, Lord? I hear your voice, but who are you? When Ananias heard the call, he was like, Yes, Lord. He didn't have to say, Who are you? There was a relationship. He knew. Right? A surprising call. And then we see grace upon grace. And if we went through this passage and just highlighted all the various ways that we see God's goodness, his supernatural power, his supernatural love and compassion, just that would be something to dwell on for days, to think about all the ways that we see in this story, grace upon grace. There's visions. There you go. There's visions happening. There's words of knowledge. There's no way that Ananias could know what was happening except that the Lord showed him. There's no way that Saul could know that there was a man named Ananias that was going to come lay hands on him without the Lord revealing it. There's healing that happens, supernatural healing to bring restored vision. There's the grace of being filled to be baptized with the Holy Spirit so that he would be effective for witness. Ananias knew this. All early Christians knew this. Wait until you've been clothed with power from on high. There's grace upon grace upon grace. 
There's something else that I'd like you to notice is that this divine human interaction in this passage, in the one that Pastor Dave preached on last week with Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, remember he told him, go by this road and go up to this chariot and then what are you reading? You know, there was this step-by-step incremental direction. But if Philip hadn't gone, all the rest of the grace in the story would have had to be somebody else's story. And in the same way, we see this um, divine human interaction in this story. The Lord tells Ananias a particular street, go to Straight Street. And you're going to go and there's going to be a person by this name. And you're going to lay hands on them. At the same time, he's telling Saul, there's a man named Ananias, and he's going to come lay hands on you, and you're going to have your vision restored. What would happen if the Lord had set this beautiful, human, divine, kairos moment, like this is when I want to work on earth, and there hadn't been the cooperation of Ananias to go? Now you notice Ananias is facing, he's taking a risk to take this step of faith and obedience to go. But he steps out in faith because he knows that God has a plan. He doesn't understand it, but he's going to go and he's going to lay hands on him. There's this divine human cooperation. Starts with a foundation of love and prayer. We see that Saul was in prayer. He was also fasting. You noticed he wasn't eating or drinking. And we think, well, what was up with that? Well, actually, that was a sign of repentance. That was a way that they demonstrated their repentance. Saul was incredibly sorry. He realized that who he had been persecuting was actually, that was the truth. He had been deceived. He didn't realize. He was so grieved. If we want to understand, is somebody truly... Following the Lord, are they, are they, is this commitment real? Is there genuine repentance for their sin? Genuine repentance for sin doesn't just mean, shoot, I got caught. I wish I hadn't got caught. I wish I didn't get the consequences. This is not what Saul is doing. He's not eating and not drinking because he's saying, oh Lord, I have sinned against you and against you have I sinned. He's so sorry. And the Lord comes with compassion to meet him. There's this guidance that's given, very specific. Just like we heard Caroline say, I felt like the Lord told us to go to Rosa Park. Is that presumptuous for us to say something like that? Well, actually, didn't the Lord tell Ananias, go to Straight Street? The Lord can give very, very specific instructions And when we're obedient, we expect that there'll be some manifestations of grace, just like um, Derek had this manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit. He had extra patience. He had self-restraint. The Lord gave compassion. And so we see these various manifestations of God's grace and these kairos moments and this kingdom advancing. Think about this. Ananias was obedient, and his obedience resulted in an incredible evangelist being raised up, and all those that would come and follow Jesus as a result can get tied back to Ananias' obedience. What happens when we're obedient to follow the Lord? 
everything that happens, maybe that person comes to Christ and they start to share Christ with others, it all kind of goes back to, you had a part in that. The Lord notices. He notices the obedience and that fruit gets credited to you as righteousness because you had faith and you obeyed. In the city of Grand Rapids, there was a disciple named Gina in the last couple of weeks. And Gina got a phone call, an unexpected phone call. And I returned that phone call the next day. And um, I got asked to come to Ball Avenue and to pay a visit. Well, I wasn't expecting to go to Ball Avenue and pay a visit. But the chaplain of the jail called and asked if I would come. And I said, well, how would I prepare? And they said, Bring your Bible and come full of the Holy Spirit. Well, I prayed and I sensed I was to come. And I was to go. And so I go. And as I'm going, oh, and they they told me, this person is facing a very serious charge. And so I don't know more than that. And I'm telling you this story from my point of view, okay? This, just like Ananias, we've looked at it from Ananias' point of view of how he felt when he got this call to go see Saul. The other person I'm praying at someday will be here in this church and be able to tell their part of the story, okay? But I'm telling you my part of the story. I'm being called to go to the jail and pay a visit to somebody that's facing a very serious charge. And so, Lord, would you prepare me? I don't know if this person knows you. Is this something that you're going to give me the opportunity to lead this person to the Lord? Lord, is this something that you want me to bring encouragement, hope? Lord, would you give me a word? Well, I felt like the Lord led me to a scripture. But then I started feeling a little anxious because I thought, they're facing some very serious charges. What in the world have they done? And um, I don't, I know that we're supposed to be bold in Christ, and I believe I can be bold in Christ, but I don't tend to be a really um, courageous person just naturally. I tend to have a little anxiety. And so anyway, so I was like, Lord, would you please make me strong, and would you please give me peace, and um, would you help me? And um, so I pray in tongues, and so scripture says, um, build yourself up in your most, most holy faith and pray in the Spirit. And so I was just praying on the way to the jail. Lord, just help me, help me, show me what to do. Tell me the way, show me how to help this person. What is it you want to do in this situation? Well, I get there and um, I get assigned to a booth. And so I'm sitting in this booth and I'm praying, Lord, would you just set this booth apart for your purposes? Lord, would you meet us here? And then it crosses my mind. This person is facing very serious charges. Lord, this couldn't be possibly that situation that I got so upset about at the beginning of 2018 when one of the first um, violent crimes happened on the northwest side and somebody ended up um, being killed. The thought crossed my mind and then it just passed. And anyway, then the person comes. Friends, I didn't need to lead the person to Jesus. They already knew Jesus. But what happened in me as I met with this person is that I just was filled with compassion. 
And then I started getting these words of like, what you've seen and what's had it happen to you. You've had things happen in your life. And like all of a sudden I'm getting words and knowledge and explaining things and saying things that were like just touching their heart. And they're like, I don't know why I'm trusting you, but I just feel like I can say this. And then they just start telling me they're very, very difficult and broken past. And the Lord brings hope. And then I say, well, here's a scripture the Lord gave me and I'm holding it up to the window. Read this. And then that we're talking about the passage. I don't know why when there's chaplains in the jail and why there's how many hundreds of pastors in this city, the Lord called Gina. Because on a certain day at a certain time, there was a divine appointment. Friends, there wouldn't have been that grace flowing through me if I had chosen to sit and read a book or watch a ball game on TV or mow my yard. But if we're listening, if we're listening to what's going on and when the Lord calls, I don't know what's gotten you upset or what you're frustrated about or you think, I would be absolutely shocked if the Lord asked me to intervene in this situation. But we've all got serious situations. All you have to do is watch the news. Or all you have to do is remember what your life has been looking like. Or the relationships or whatever it is. The Lord tells us today through this passage, don't be shocked at anything. I can turn things around in the flash of lightning. I can turn things around in people's lives. I may want to turn that person around and save them, and I might call you to be a conduit, a vessel of grace. On any given day, there's a disciple, there's a follower of Jesus who attends Gold Rush. What if the Lord wants to use you? On any given day in Grand Rapids, there's a disciple named Lynette, and the Lord may call you just like he did, and he helped you. There's a disciple named Kate. There's a disciple named Ken. There's a disciple. Fill in your name. Will you go? Will you cooperate? Will you be the conduit of grace that he's designed you to be? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you um, choose us very unlikely people to get to participate in your kingdom work. Lord, I ask that you would create expectation in us and excitement about the marvelous ways that you would like to um, work in our midst and through us to proclaim your kingdom for your glory. Lord, glorify yourself through this congregation, I pray. Glorify us. No, no. Glorify you through us. Lord, use us to bring you glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen.